The Geeky Retro Nerd Show is part of the Art, Comedy and Pop Culture Network of Podcasts. Hello, how are you doing? Nice to have you back. Welcome to the Geeky Retro Nerd Show. My name is Adam and I am a Geeky Retro Nerd and the show, as always, is sponsored by truffleshuffle.com. Head to their website and you will see a ton of Back to the Future, nudge, nudge, wink, wink, uh, a ton of retro t-shirts and geeky Gifts, and if you use my exclusive discount code GRNS15, you will get a 15% discount on a spend of £25 or more, and it's international shipping, so everybody can get involved. Now then, another excellent, if I may say so myself, (laughs) episode. As you may know by now, I am a huge, huge, huge fan of Back to the Future, and I have a really interesting chat with a star of Back to the Future 2. And this year, this year, 2019, is the 30th anniversary of Back to the Future Part 2. So in this episode, I have a very lovely conversation with Jeffrey Wiseman. Enjoy. I am very excited as a huge Back to the Future fan to be saying, welcome to the Geeky Retro Nerd Show, Jeffrey Wiseman. Jeffrey, how are you? I'm great. How are you doing, Adam? I am very well. You know what? It, it has been a tremendously sunny day here in Scotland for once. Um, nice. Had a great day out of the sun. What, what's it like at your end? Where are you? Are you, you in California? I'm up in the wine country in Northern California, and it's a beautiful day here as well. Lovely. Lovely. I, I, I dare say you get more lovely days weather-wise than I do here in Scotland. <laughs> I imagine, though, I, I envy you. I've always wanted to get to Scotland, and I have yet to do it. It's a, it's a beautiful country, beautiful country. Um, so thank you very much for uh, joining us on the show, Jeffrey. I, 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 I really wanted to talk to you for a couple of reasons. First of all, we've been chatting uh, for a little while on Twitter, and you're, you're an incredibly nice and generous guy, and you, you sent me some um, signed behind-the-scenes photos, and I wanted to thank you very much for those. Yeah, you had a contest to uh, to give those out. I did, so I'm I'm giving them I'm giving them away one at a time. Somebody won. Um, I gave one away yesterday or the day before. I'm gonna I'm gonna give another one away shortly. But the, the, for anybody for everybody listening, head to my Twitter at Geeky Retro Nerds. The the photos are brilliant, absolutely what, brilliant. What do what do the uh, fans have to do to try to get a photo to win the contest? Um, uh, retweet and like the post or, oh. on Twitter, or they don't share need to know any. Facebook. They don't need to know the answers to some rare trivia or anything like that. No, no, because um, a lot of my followers already know everything about Bat the Future, <laughs> <laughs> so it won't be fair to ask questions. So it's it's the either just retweet, like, or share on Facebook. I'm I'm still learning things all the time about those movies. Uh, you know, there's there's a lot of stories that uh, just uh, amaze me that I, I I learn every time I do a, a fan con with you know Chris Lloyd or or Leah, one of the other stars, and 
uh, you know, things that I, I hadn't heard before. And, and there's a gentleman named Michael Clasterin who yeah. wrote the definitive book, uh, the Back to the Future Encyclopedia, I guess, uh, that uh, has amazing stories and call sheets and who auditioned for what parts and where. It's, it's really quite remarkable, a coffee table book. Well, I have, at the minute, it is a desk book because that book is right in front of me at uh-huh. the moment. Um, and the, the, you're right, the book is excellent. It's absolutely brilliant. It, it's one of my favorite reference books. And I was actually messaging Michael uh, Clasterin on Facebook a couple of nights ago um trying to get him to talk to me as well and he's expressed an interest so fingers crossed i'll get michael on as well oh i'm talk, sure he'll come on he's he's co-producing a, a wonderful event coming up in october uh called we're going back and i think it's the third or fourth time they've done it where mm-hmm. folk come in and they travel to all the locations that we shot at and mm-hmm. cast members and crew members from any of those locations from those shoots come out and do Q and A's. It's really, really lovely. And the, and the week or four or five days that it, it goes on ends with an enchantment under the sea dance where wow. we shot that scene. So it might, might be in a bigger venue. He said this year. I'm very jealous. And this, this is where I wish I lived in America <laughs> because all the big grand events happen over there. I wish I was over there being able to participate in, in all these events. Well, a lot of yeah. a lot of folk uh, come over. We have, we've had do. people uh, from Japan and Germany and Russia and all over. Uh, they they all become it seems lifelong friends too. As soon as they yeah. bond over the Back to the Future events, it's it's really amazing. There's a Facebook uh, page called Citizens of Hill Valley where you'll see a lot of those folk. Well, I'll have to check that out. Mm-hmm. I will check that out. So. Like I mentioned before, Jeffrey, one of the reasons I wanted to get you on here was um, 30 years in November of Back to the Future Part 2. Can you quite believe that it's 30 years since that movie was released? uh, It's pretty uh, remarkable that uh, the time has been flying by. And when I think back, what I was doing this time 30 years ago, I was probably, see, I think I was probably already wrapped um, I think I did most of my shooting earlier in the spring. Right. I've got to go find my call sheets is what I got to do. Go out in my, my storage and find those things. Um, it was, uh, it was really a, a very fascinating thing for me because I, uh, if you, uh, you probably know, and, and most of your listeners do, but for those who don't know the, the original actor who played George McFly, Mm-hmm. Uh, but butted heads with the the producers and made too many demands that they weren't willing to give to him. And this and, was Crispin Glover, of course. Yes, and and I think they had a an inkling that there was trouble, and uh, they originally put feelers out to uh, my agent to uh, see if I would be interested in in being his photo double, and I started getting fitted for prosthetics and so on and so forth to body cast and such. Uh, to, in my mind, uh, be George in another place at the same time. I, I figured they needed, uh, as they needed Michael in various places at the same time. So mm-hmm. they had uh, Kevin, his photo double example would be up on the catwalk above the stage when Michael was down on the stage reprising, playing Johnny Be Good on stage or yeah. vice versa. Michael be on the catwalk while Kevin was down playing the guitar. And I thought uh, they needed George that way too. It was going to be something 
fascinating like that. Uh, and then in the 11th hour, literally just before they went into production for the scenes that they needed George for, uh, my makeup person pretty much told me that uh, Ken Chase, the designer of the makeups, said that, that Crispin was out, that I was going to be playing George. And I said, how is that possible? That's I couldn't fathom that. And I had known Crispin from a, a film we did together at the American Film Institute, and I thought he was a fascinating actor, and I was friends, and I loved, of course, like, like everyone else, what he did with George in the first film. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it really boggled my mind. But I, you know, needed the work and loved the uh, the opportunities and seized it, uh, and got on set. Of, of course, the first stuff we shot was the. 1955 Enchantment Under the Sea Dance and the fight in the parking lot of the high yes. school. And I was in the young George makeup, age 17, and it was somewhat similar in at least angles and such to what Crispin's face looked like and uh, was very odd. You know, the, the response that when people saw me in it, because it's it, I'm wearing basically a mask, mm-hmm. uh, people were like, oh, my God. <laughs> What is this? And and so I felt very odd. And uh, it was it took a few days for people to warm up to me and kind of get used to it and keep production rolling. Um, but by the end of the week, you know, I was sharing a beer with with Michael and uh, hanging out uh, with with Billy Zane and, and you know, having a, a better time of it than at the first where, where I was kind of feeling like a scab. Um, right. And then uh, shortly thereafter, uh, shot for a few weeks of 2015, Old George hanging upside down, and uh, and that was a bit grueling because I believe that the hanging upside down and such was torture meant for Crispin. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> I got to endure that stuff. Um, but nonetheless, it was really just a, a treat to be on that set and and working with such a fine ensemble and, and great crew and. Of course, Zemeckis is a, a delightful director who just uh, really trusts his actors to to do their, and uh, and that's a that's a real gift. Well, in the in the book that we were just talking about before, there's two photographs here. Um, one of you getting kitted up um, in the McFly household in 2015, mm-hmm. and there's another one of you hanging upside down on the um, I think it's called an ortho lev. Um, hanging upside down. How how did they do? How did they do that? How did they make that happen? Were you hanging on I, wires or? <laughs> basically, yes. Uh, they they ran a track from outside the front door in the soundstage through the set that mm-hmm. went through the living room, past the the television room, d- dining room, uh, into the kitchen, and that track had wires on it that. Ortholev fixture, uh, special effect, uh, that I would uh, get up into on a ladder and be pretty much cinched into that thing and mm-hmm. and flown around uh, slowly. <laughs> <laughs> and how long and, How long at any given time were you hanging upside down for? Uh, sometimes for a uh, better part of an hour. They, they would get me down. Um, they Well, how shall I say this? They didn't really want to get me down all the time because... <laughs> It was a, a trial. It took some time, and and yeah. uh, if they could help it, um, they needed to take a short break. They'd ask if I'd be okay staying up there. 
And the wonderful folk from uh, Industrial Light and Magic built a little device, uh, a, put a board on the top rung of a ladder uh, and uh, would have me do a sit up in the air and then they'd slide this ladder with the board on it back and I would lean back on it so I could be laying down and take some of the, the uh, pressure. Yes. Yeah. And, I've seen photos of that. Yeah. And often, you know, I'd be on the set all by myself while everyone's off having a coffee break. <laughs> Did they ever forget about you? Did no, they... <laughs> they didn't forget. But uh, but it was uh, it was a, a very uh, demanding physical uh, you know challenge, um, and the days were extremely long. Uh, as you may know, Michael was shooting the last season of Family Ties during the day, and then we would have him all night and the weekends. And so as soon as we got him, especially on, on the weekends, we would shoot uh, as much as we could stand. Uh, and some of the uh, the hour time car were 1921 hour long days. Uh, and then we'd have maybe eight hours off before having to get back into the makeup chair. And then just right. applying the makeup would take four hours and then another wow. hour to take it off at the end of the day. Wow. Uh, and, and then, of course, you know, because Michael had the costume and makeup changes for each character around the, the dining table and, yes. in, you know, these other scenes where he's playing Marlene or Marty Jr., uh, we'd have to, you know, wait two or three hours for those changes. Uh, oh. But what often we were shooting uh, coverage, you know, other shots and other business. Yeah, because in the photo I just mentioned before where you're hanging upside down, um michael is standing next to you dressed um as his daughter <laughs> yes there's my beautiful um my little pumpkin yes that's right and and, and actually i was watching back the future too the other night it, it's on a lot in in my house jeffrey um as are the other movies um, my two-year-old son uh really really loves them um, oh you like I was... two-year-old to you you know uh, yeah. I wonder if you've seen this. I, I posted it on Instagram and just uh, re reposted it on Facebook today. Um, a uh, Uber fan in Denmark uh, built an ortholev, and he <laughs> he is actually doing like the uh, Japanese uh, is bokuru, the puppeteering where they're all in black. So right. Daddy's in black, but his head has the ortholev <laughs> that he's built. <laughs> And he's put his one-year-old in an old George McFly uh, oh, seen makeup. That. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> uh, my first old George cosplay that I've ever seen. I've seen, you know, the young George, of course, cosplays right now. But this is like the first time a one-year-old has done it. So your two-year-old, you know, it's got to catch up here. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're, we're behind already. Um <laughs> But, but I was watching it and and uh, your scene where you're hanging upside down and my wife said to me, why is Marty's dad hanging upside down? <laughs> so I had to explain to her what was going on. Yes. Yeah, the, the car <laughs> falling out of the sky while he's playing golf. Somehow he wrenched his back when that happened. It, it's very convoluted, very strange. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I recently dug out of my archives the, uh, the script. Right. But, Back to the Future 2 and 3 are uh, were together in one script called Paradox. Right. And, and of course, I got it 
uh, with no time to study it. That when you know they said, "Oh, we we need you on set on Friday," they said, "Well, you got to be on set on Monday," and uh, then they sent me the script, and I was like, "Oh my God, I got to read this." this two films basically they um and uh there there were a lot of things in the script uh that i did not get to do because they didn't have crispin uh they gave a lot and they didn't know me really that much uh mm-hmm. they gave a lot of the business and lines that were meant for george to leah or michael or or just cut them all together but mm-hmm. though i did get to improvise some things uh you know at the front door when George, old George's head is hanging p- parallel to Marlene's uh, orange hot pants there. <laughs> and you know, I thought it looked like a pumpkin, so it came up with the Lion House Granddad's Little Pumpkin. All uh, right. And uh, little bits, uh, there, was, there was a bit in the kitchen where uh, Lorraine tells, I think it was Marty Jr., might have been Marlene, to give give your granddad a, a piece of fruit, you know, the fruit, please, thing yeah. that comes down from the ceiling. <laughs> and so I was handed a, a banana, and I tried this banana upside down, and of course, the peel kept slapping me in the face. And and <laughs> this little bit of business that I was able to come up with, I, I, I love comedy, and, and Zemeckis seemed to like it, but it just didn't, didn't I guess, fit for the editors. Um, I do have photos of that, uh, which I guess are, are rare. Um, cool. Yeah, so, so I got to got to do a little bit of this and that. There's there's more in the outtakes. Uh, example: uh, yeah. George actually rotates his axis for for pizza. I haven't seen that. It's in the uh, deleted scenes bonus material, uh, at, at least on the on the Blu-ray. The Blu-ray or the old DVDs had it. Um, it's not color corrected, but it's interesting to see. Uh, I, I was in a, a body cast um, that had a pole that came out of the back of it that was attached, that went wheel at the end of it that the, a Teamster would spin mm-hmm. on cue. And they put my costume on over the body cast, spin me upside down. And then when Lorraine says, uh, and she takes out the pizza from the hydrometer and uh says george rotate your access for dinner for pizza and i i go okay and i do a golf <laughs> swing and go four <laughs> you know do the old crispin laugh and i was going to ask you actually um what was the opinion on set of the 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 vision of 2015 what 2015 was going to look like and what homes were going to look like in 2015 with the the pizza hydrator and the the fruit basket on the ceiling and the telly with all the channels on oh everyone was thrilled with the art direction uh, both the hill valley of 2015 i remember remember visiting that set uh in fact during the hoverboarding chase and just being wowed by cafe 80s and the the texaco station yeah. and the the meticulous over art directed set there. And then the interior was as well art directed within an inch of its life. There were so yeah. many wonderful pieces. The, the the attention to detail was phenomenal and a good majority of that stuff never made it to the screen. Uh, and it was fascinating. I was just uh, constantly looking at stuff 
uh, around that the art director uh, had had created. It was really quite fun, really lovely. While we were shooting that scene with the the pizza, uh, you know, Pizza Hut did their product placement thing. Yeah, yeah. And behind the set, there were probably six gals constantly cooking p- fresh pizzas for, to be camera ready. <laughs> and for the day or so that we it took us to shoot that, uh, the the soundstage smelled like pepperoni pizza, and uh, <laughs> I, I don't think anyone wanted to eat pizza for for weeks after that. <laughs> Sick of the sight of it. Yeah, and the smell. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so we mentioned before, you know, that the script that you had to read was um, two movies um back to back uh, i think back the Fu- so back the future 2 came out in november uh 1989 and then back the future 3 came out pretty quickly afterwards didn't it? about 6 months in, in the summer of 1990 i think so they they were uh shooting up in sonora in the um, sierra foothills of mm-hmm. california yeah part 3 and all during the day, and then in the evening, Zemeckis would hop on a small plane out of I'm not sure Modesto or wherever, and and hop back down to Los Angeles to cut part two to finish cutting part two uh, in the in the evenings, mm-hmm. and then fly back up. You know, it was like when do you sleep? It was it was like with Michael when he was shooting Family Ties during the day and and uh, shooting with us all night. I asked Michael, when do you sleep? And he said, in the limousine on the, between the studios. And I, I figured Zemeckis was probably sleeping on the airplane, you know, on the airplane. It's unbelievable, really, isn't it? Such a, such a hectic schedule, but, um, you know, such a, such a commitment to making the movie a success. Yeah. I, I'm not sure how the, this laid out. And you might ask Michael Clasterin if you have him on or Zemeckis for that matter. Uh, because the script paradox was both two and three, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm never quite certain when the decision was to make it into two films when that came about that, uh, I'm sure they thought, well, you know, this is going to be too long. It's too much to fit in one film. And, and if we make it into two, we can probably double our money or whatever. Yeah. I think uh, I, I, I it'd be interesting books... to know. Oh, oh yes. Did he mention it? I think it's somewhere in the book. It just says that um, they did a screening of the first movie to the cast, and I, 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 you know, I don't know if you were included at that point. Um, you know, you said earlier that you know it was a bit last minute that you were told that you were going to actually be George McFly. But somewhere in Michael's book, it does say that they did a screening of the original movie, and then afterwards explained that the the script that being given was going to be split into two and made into two movies because rather than making uh, one movie for 50 million dollars they could make two movies for 70 million dollars 35 million each ah there you go yeah and they probably so a, went went a little over budget with with having to construct all those amazing sets for both films yeah, I mean, it, I mean, you said before the attention to detail is is quite incredible, um, and and the futuristic vision and and the and the imagination as well with things like Jaws nineteen and um the the hover car conversions and you know it, I was nine years old when Back to the Future two came out 
and uh, it, it's it's probably my favourite sequel. I'm a big Star Wars fan. I love Empire Strikes Back, but I probably love uh, Back to the Future 2 just the same. Um, we'll have to get you my friend Mike Quinn on your show. Do you, do you know so Mike? I've met him briefly before. He was here. He was in Edinburgh um, at a comic convention. I was I was volunteering at actually, um, and I briefly spoke to him. So so Mike was near none in uh, Return of the Jedi, and he's in Force Awakens and um, the, the Last face. Jedi. The the fish face Jedi yeah. for those who are yeah. listening at home. Yeah, the fish face. And fella. and he's a he's a great guy. He he um, was a Muppeteer and uh, has worked on Dark Crystal and and just n- numerous fantastic uh, projects. And and the new ride opening in October at Disneyland in at Galaxy's Edge, I believe his character is one of the main characters of it. Uh, is that right? Yeah. Because the one the one in. Um... Oh, so the yeah, because there's a second ride opening, isn't there? Yes. At, at Galaxy's Edge, yeah. The the yeah. the Falcon ride's already open, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, yeah, Mike. Yeah, I really like Mike. He was a good guy. Um, I'd I'd love to get him on the show as well. Well, I'll, I'll um, try to introduce you. Oh, brilliant! Thank you very much. That's very kind of you. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, what was I saying? I was a nine-year-old kid when Back to the Future Two came out, and um, it was on in my house most days um and it's on in my house most days still <laughs> now uh, because i love it that much and and like i told you before my two-year-old son really likes it as well he he, he's, he points out and says doc and marty and he he knows the characters and uh, my wow. wife says I'm, my wife says i'm brainwashing him um <laughs> maybe so well you've got to start them young you've got to start them young so have you got anything planned this year, Jeffrey, for 30 years of Back to the Future 2? Is there any celebrations? Well, or... I'm, a, I'm a little uh, disappointed that I'm not doing more shows. I, I'm uh, halfway expected. I'm halfway expected to be f- pretty booked. And it seems that the, the big four have booked all the major cons that can afford them. Um, you know, Chris, Michael, Leah and, and Tom. Uh, mm-hmm. And for years, you know, 15 years or more, Tom Tom Wilson wouldn't do any shows and Michael would never do any shows. But it was London Comic Con. Uh, the owner, Jason, had brought me over for a few shows uh, right. back in, uh, say, 2012, 2014, that, that era. And it uh, in, uh, I guess it was early 2015, uh, I, I saw Jason at the Gallifrey One, the Doctor Who show. And he said, Jeffrey, we love having you over. How can I get Michael there? And how can I get Tom there? And I, I said, well, I'll, I'll write Tom, let him know how, how much, how wonderful uh, you are and taking good care of everyone. Uh, but he doesn't do shows. At least at that, at that point, he was not uh, doing right. shows. And then with Michael, I suggested that he, uh, you know, match whatever he's going to pay Michael to his charity. And uh, you apparently did something similar or, or to that effect, because that was the very first show that Michael ever did. It was our first big international Back to the Future cast reunion where we had uh, 11 of the cast members. So that was 2015. Uh, but since Michael and, and Tom, Leah and Chris are doing most of the shows, there's very few. Uh, so I'm I'm not, uh, uh, you know, cr- 
jumping off a cliff or anything, but I'm uh, <laughs> a little disappointed. Um, but I'm hoping things will pick up. I've got, of course, the the charity events coming up that uh, I, I'm hoping to be a part of. The Back to 1885, which is up in the uh, Sierra foothills where they shot part three. Yeah, and you put a link to that on Twitter the other day, and I had a look, and it looks amazing. It, it is amazing. It's it it's a, a wet dream for a, 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 a Back <laughs> to the Future 3 fan. Uh, and once again, it's where folk from around the world who are fans come to this and are just totally immersed in everything Back to the Future 3, where they shot it. They get to ride the, the train that was the 131 that's actually the number three train up there at Jamestown, uh, Railtown, 1897. Uh, they they actually show the film on the location where the set was built. It had burned down, so it's not there anymore. It's just a big field. But they put a pop-up and uh, do a drive-in, sort of sit-in outdoor theater. There's a, a zip line where you can dress as Doc and, and go down the, the wire from the clock tower. There's a lot of just <laughs> terrific things that uh, are quite remarkable. And, and it was... Uh, started by my friends uh, Oliver and Terry Holler out of South Carolina, who who met pretty much over their love of Back to the Future. Right. Uh, he it's a fascinating story. If you ever see the the DeLorean uh, documentary uh, Back in Time, it tells their story where he was actually diagnosed with terminal cancer. Yes. And their uh, their minister at their church knew that. Both of them had this love, uh, mutual love of Back to the Future and introduced them. They didn't know each other. And they started courting each other and decided to max out their credit cards by building <laughs> their own time machine. They built a time machine DeLorean wow. uh, out of parts that they found at junk stores and hardware stores and so on and so forth, surplus, and built a great replica. And... and uh, during the process of falling in love and starting to do events where they were raising money for Michael's charity, uh-huh. uh, they, he cured, he no longer had his cancer. Brilliant. Um, and they now have traveled around the world and have raised, I'm sure over a million dollars now for uh, the team Fox for Michael J. Fox's Parkinson's research foundation. So they, founded the back to the 1885 event and and in the, its inauguration was last year and there it was so much fun and full of so much love that they decided they wanted to, to do it again this year even though the we're going back thing uh, it was announced that they were going to come back and do it this year and they they were reluctant they didn't want to step on the we're going back events toes um, because that's also a charity uh, fundraiser for michael's charity mm-hmm. um but they figured, you know, there's enough fans out there that they, they sh- should be able to populate both. And and both of these events, we're going back and the Back to 1885 are high ticket price events, but ultimately uh, a steal, a great value because of the itinerary and the things you get to do. And if you're a, a, a fan, uh, you'll it's a lifelong or, you know, it'll the memories will last a life, lifetime. It's just a fantastic series of events. So once again, the we're going back also this year is, I believe, the third time they've done it. Right. And originally a Canadian named Ken Kapowalski uh, produced it, and uh, he just worked so hard on it, his wife won't let him do it anymore. So Michael Klasterin and Joe Walser 
have taken over that one. And wow. they've m managed to uh, just outdo themselves every year. In fact, the last time they did it for the 25th anniversary, I believe it was, they took over a small town called Fillmore in Southern California and pretty much made it into Hill Valley. Uh, so they had the clock tower on the main steps of their main city hall where uh, movies were shown and, and bands played. And, mm -hmm. and they even had a couple cranes come out with wires with the original uh, stunt coordinators and stunt doubles for the hoverboard gang. And you can hoverboard. And uh, <laughs> Dream come true. I, I have photos of myself doing it, and you know, I had a friend who was good with Photoshop and just erased the wires. So I'm and <laughs> and add some shadows. So I'm hoverboarding. Uh, it is a dream come true for a lot. The example, the back to 1885, you get to ride the rails in the DeLorean time machine uh, and and you know break through the barrier at at uh, Eastwood Ravine, and you know a lot of <laughs> a lot of fun things like you're right there in the reliving the movie. I mean, all these events sound absolutely incredible. Can you believe that, you know, so far on from the first movie and the sequels, that there's still a huge, massive interest in the movies, a huge fan base. People are still clamoring to to experience this kind of thing. Like you said before, it, you know, these, are, these events are high-priced tickets, but people will pay it because they want to experience this kind of thing. Well, it had a lot going for it. The first film is, you know, the first Marty, uh, they always wanted Michael, but of course they couldn't get him. So they, yeah. the studio kind of shoved Eric Stoltz at them mm -hmm. because he was hot off mask, which I remember auditioning for as well. But nonetheless, uh, uh, they shot for almost eight weeks with Eric before finally uh, being right. able to let him go yeah. and, and get finally get Michael after Meredith Burr. Baxter Bernie had her baby and uh, they felt comfortable letting him go on family ties. Uh, so they had the luxury of pretty much eight weeks of rehearsal. So yeah. they had, they had polished uh, what they needed to do. And so that first film, you know, really shone because of the excellent comedy timing that uh, Leah was able and, and Chris Lloyd were able to hone. And then of course with uh, Crispin as well, and then with part two, they, they had many years of success, uh, especially Zemeckis's success. So he was able to really not settle for anything that didn't please him. Example, the first draft, I believe, that uh, Bob Gale suggested where Marty goes back to visit his folks in part two. He went to the 60s where they were hippies. And there was nothing... Uh, new ground. There was no new ground uh, discovery or anything going on that intrigued Zemeckis apparently. So he said, yeah. "Nah, let's go back and try something else." And that forced Bob Gale to go back and and rethink. Well, what's what's going to be compelling, you know? And having having to chase the almanac back to '55 and having several Martys and <laughs> DeLorean time machines at the same period and then going back to the alternate 85 with Biff taking over the world. I mean, that's a lot more <laughs> compelling and, and, you know, turn up the danger. That's, I tell my students in my, uh, both acting and writing, you know, l l try to turn up the danger, make the risk high. Uh, that will 
keep your audience engaged. And sure yeah. enough, that was uh, a formula that they used, and it works. It, and it absolutely does work, um, especially on the Back the Future movies. Um, so, so that that combined with the the wholesomeness, the first you know everyone wants to try, time travel, everyone wants to meet their parents when they were young and you know help them get together, and everyone wants to see the future, uh, and everyone wants to uh, you know go to the old west. So they they knew the these common sense formulas to get great entertainment, and and it's you know it's not. Uh, how shall I say, derogatory or dirty or scatological? I mean, there yeah. is, you know, shit! And yeah. there's uh, some light swearing and some nastiness here and there, but it's, comparatively speaking, very wholesome to yeah, yeah. Uh, some of the, the fare that's out there. And that's why I think generation after generation, it's okay to introduce it to your two-year-old. And even though there are some advanced things for a two-year-old in there. But anywho... Uh, uh, and and, he, he and I just think it'll, it. it'll keep giving. I think it'll keep giving for for years to come. Well, well, it will keep giving, and it does keep giving uh, because there is a Back to the Future musical out next year, and it's making yeah. its debut in Manchester before going to London. Yes, I, I've read that, and uh, you know, it's uh, it's nice that they've done that. I saw a uh, a version of a Back to the Future musical about hmm, i'm going to say five years really um yeah there was a high school in ohio that the i guess the drama teacher wrote it and staged it and the even though most of the high school seniors that were in the production had graduated they came back together to perform it for us at a delorean car show in dayton ohio uh, it, and you can see it on YouTube. There's at least excerpts of it. Even uh, one gentleman proposing marriage to to his fiance uh, at that event. And Harry Waters, Don Full of Love, myself, and Bob Gale and Chris Lloyd were all there at this DeLorean car show. And uh, we got to witness this fantastic musical. Now, I don't know if Bob had the idea of doing a musical before that, but this certainly was inspiring. And it was really well done. These kids rocked their butts off. <laughs> I think I think and, I might have seen that online actually. Yeah, take a look. It's on YouTube. There's a couple uh, ones, maybe a short video of it, another one's a little bit longer, and it's it's very worthy. And I just hope that the professional um, production of it uh, holds up and, and lives up to the high school kids because they played and sang their hearts out. It was just magnificent. Well, well, I hope it holds up as well because I'm going on um opening night i've got my i've got my ticket wow opening night Fantastic. so i'm going so so i'm very excited um and and speaking of musicals you're in a band mr Fusion. yeah i'm in a band I'm, <laughs> I'm living my rock and roll fantasy and why i not? Uh, i in 2015 actually a number of years before 2015 i thought you know the the Back to the Future movies, which I, I'm sort of the, the bastard child of, you know, I've adopted uh, a, kind of an outsider, but still a part of it. And I pinch myself Absolutely. for being there. Uh, I was thinking, how can I give back? And I thought, well, if I can somehow do a fundraiser for Michael's charity, uh, I would love that. And, and uh, so I envisioned a cruise with the Back to the Future theme 
And for years, I tried to get it together. I, I even contacted a gentleman who, who produced the Star Trek cruises for many years, who initially told me, forget about it. It's just a big headache. You don't, you're, you know, over your head, blah, blah. And, and I, you know, I even called him a couple of years later and said, look, I want to do this thing. Um, and because of your experience, I was hoping you would consult with me. And he said, you know, my father now has Parkinson's. Um, and I, I will do whatever I can to help you. And, uh, so I, you know, finally had a, an advocate and started putting together the pieces of the puzzle to do a back to the future cruise to end Parkinson's. And it was for the latter part of 2015, the anniversary year. And we, uh, put it on a, a Royal Caribbean ship called the Oasis of the Seas. And it was just a week long cruise, but I managed to recruit six of the cast and crew members. I had Dean Cundy, the cinematographer, uh, Kevin Pike, who was part of the special effects team, uh, and uh, Andrew Probert, who was part of the design team on the, uh, the DeLorean. And, and also he had worked on Star Trek One and, and uh, Next Generation, I believe, designing the ships. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then I had Don Full of Harry Waters Jr. and Mark McClure. And Don played Mayor Goldie Wilson. Harry played uh, Chuck's cousin, uh, Marvin Berry. Mm -hmm. And uh, Mark played Dave McFly, uh, one of the McFly siblings. And then me as George. So I had six of the celebs. And I'm at, uh, I was able, with my limited marketing know-how, to get uh, around 45 paying customers to come on. And we basically broke even. I ended up uh, with about 10,000 to go towards the, the charity. Um, Brilliant. And I'd say those 40 to 50 uh, guests, plus all the folk from the Star Trek crews that happened to be on the same ship that we combined forces for since we had crossover celebs, uh, really had the time of their lives. They'll, they'll not, not forget it. And, uh, you know, hopefully someone with a little more uh, money on behind them will, will pick up the, the ball and, and run with it and do it again because it's a worthy thing. And it's also, you know, once again, it's all about Michael. So this was my way to try to celebrate the films and, and give back to Michael's charity. And give back. Yeah. And I, and I had a look on YouTube um, of videos of your band and you are, you are, you are really good, <laughs> really good. Thanks. Hey, that means a lot. A lot of great music comes out of Scotland. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I uh, you know, I'm not a great guitarist, uh, but I've been taking lessons and getting getting a, a little bit better on my licks and a little more confidence. And we, I uh, got a dear friend of mine who's a, a terrific uh, keyboardist, uh, Dave Lewis, who played with Ambrosia, another band called Shadow Facts and other bands. And he's kind of our, our music director anchor. And, um, and then I get my wife to, to do the female voices, vocals on Mr. Right. Sandman and a couple other songs that we're working on to flesh out our, our set list. And, you know, the other cast members have said that they may sit in with us. I, I asked Leah if she would consider singing with us. And she said if if the situation was right, she, she'd consider yeah. it. And, and Ricky Dean good. Logan is toyed with sitting in with us as well, who was uh, part of the hoverboard gang. Brilliant. Yeah. Sounds, I mean, as long as you're having fun, as long as you're enjoying it. Yes. And that yeah. is the key. That, that is absolutely, that's what Mark McClure said. He says, I just want to play music and have fun. Let's do this. 
Exactly. Yeah. Well, Jeffrey, we've come to the end of the time, unfortunately. Oh, um, I could, gosh, I could talk to you. We have to bring me back on to talk about my other uh, obscure credits, like Pale Rider or. Do you guys well, get saved by saved by the bell in Scotland? Uh, well, actually, you've just well, right. I, I did say it at the start. My show is normally about forty five minutes. We're up to forty four, but let's just keep going because I did want to ask you about you've just reminded us about Saved by the Bell. Uh oh. Tell me about being in Saved by the Bell, Jeffrey, please. <laughs> well, it's it was sort of a um, I don't want to say it's a, a schlocky hack show, but but it was, you know, I don't think NBC put a lot of investment in the production of it. Uh, so they, you know, spit out these episodes, uh, pretty grind them out. And, and those kids were working really hard and, and with low pay. But nonetheless, uh, it was work I had for years uh, tried to or been submitted by my agent on various films and projects that needed nerd geeky guys. Uh, I auditioned for Revenge of the Nerds and my okay. science project and and uh, a lot of films where they needed brainy types. I was even cast in a TV series once that uh, didn't get picked up where the, the nerd guy who was selling these t- college detectives, the answers to their, their questions. Uh, I'm sorry, <laughs> uh, answers to their uh, tests in, in class. Um <laughs> So I, I had been marketed kind of as a, a nerd and had played nerdy parts uh, live on the stage shows. Um, so when I got the audition notice for, for the High Geek for this rockumentary fantasy episode of Saved by the Bell, <laughs> I had my fake buck teeth and I had the thick glasses. I was ready to rock and roll. I had my pocket protector and uh, went in there and I guess I blew them away and got the, got the role. And uh, it was quite fun being on that set, getting to know the kids and, and uh, being able to do this comedy stuff that I had developed as this uber nerd. And um, I did have a, a little hitch, a little bump in the road. Uh, I, the other guest star was Casey Kasem. Yeah. And uh, he's Muslim. And I had this bit where I, I had my my fez on i had i was wearing a fez as the high geek and yeah. casey casey didn't want me wearing the fez and he right. he thought it was an affront to uh, his religion and so the producer made me lose the fez which was unfortunate because the fez was just uh disguised for for a reveal for a comedy bit that i had i had uh, because i played stan laurel for many years at at universal studios still play him from time to time um, I'd, I'd put my hair up into a natural fright wig that, that Stanley would have when he'd uh-huh. let his hair grow out after shaving it for one of his, one of his uh, films where he played a uh, you know, convict and got his head shaved while in, in prison. His hair never grew back the same way and, and would go straight up if he let it grow or didn't you know, gel it down. So I, I would do that with my hair. It had the hair standing straight up and I had this wonderful reveal uh, where I take off the fez to get out the magic retainer that I'm giving to Screech that will protect him. <laughs> and uh, Casey kind of blew my joke uh, by not allowing me to wear the, the fez. The so fez. I was a little upset. So I, I mean, ended we... up uh, making the retainer appear out of a spittoon, I think it was. <laughs> we absolutely did get saved by the bell over here. I loved it when I was <laughs> a kid growing up. Um, 
my son's called Zach. Um, uh-huh. but <laughs> not after Zach Morris, so um in case my wife listens to this one, it wasn't after Zach Morris. Oh. Um but yeah, we did get saved by the belt over here, and and that was a that's a really famous episode. That one, the the rockumentary one. Yeah, Elizabeth. Uh, uh, I think they may have written it because Elizabeth Hurley had broken her leg in a skiing accident, and even okay. though she was there, she was just like in the bleachers watching us shoot. But she was in a, a cast, and mm-hmm. so I think the writers concocted this episode to distract that she wasn't on the, that 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 episode or something so you mentioned before as well uh pale rider of course you were in pale rider um what what was that like being in that movie incredible movie oh that was that was a trip it was really uh, lovely being on location with such a fine ensemble again uh the the ensemble that clint put together was just inspired uh the really across the boards really very very talented veterans and new newcomers um unfortunately uh billy drago just passed away a couple yes days ago. i saw that the other day yeah what a shame and he was a lovely man really generous wonderful actor and sweet man we had a, a great time while we were on location uh we got snowed in a blizzard hit in october and uh clint had to shut down production for three days for the storm to go through and it was holed up with all these wonderful actors in the, in the hotel. And we had a marvelous time getting, getting to know each other. I became very close very quickly with the legendary, wonderful actress, Carrie Snodgrass. Yeah. And, and uh, uh, Michael Moriarty was a, just a dream uh, gentleman, uh, very generous with his, his compassion. Uh, everyone worked their tails off, too. And uh, Richard Dysart, Richard Keel. It was the Richard Show. Um, <laughs> uh, even uh, the the uh, support players, the local players that Clint hired from the local Sun Valley Ketchum, Idaho area, were just generous and sweet, lovely people. And and Clint was a a, a treat to work with. Uh, I have a lot of a lot of great stories that when you have more time, you should have me back on it, and I can oh, tell right. your listeners uh, of, of all, a lot of things to look out for when watching that movie. There's a lot of things that the editor did to over some hurdles you know clint uh broke his shoulder while we were shooting uh, Did he? michael broke broke his fingers uh, with a mishap with other <laughs> actors in the very first uh, fight scenes and Ouch. doesn't hide the the cast uh we to get daddy's spiders my dad's uh doug's uh death scene in. it took us three days to shoot that one scene and one day was in sunlight one day was in clouds and one day was in a blizzard and to get it all to match um, some very, very fine editing took place. Uh, so I have lots of fun stories that uh, I'll go into detail if you have me back on. Oh, I would love to have you back on. Definitely love to have you back on, Jeffrey. You, you, you know, I said at the start um, that I, I really wanted to get you on the show because you're a really nice guy you've been, and you've been very generous and kind to me with those um with the photos you sent me. And Sure, um, and if, if your listeners, uh, you know, want an autographed picture, you know, I, I have to ask for 35 bucks and just uh, contact me through my, my website, jeffreyweisman.com, and uh, I'll, I'll uh, send them your way. And I always throw in bonus bonus stuff, surprises. Brilliant. So there you go, uh, listeners. There's a, get to jeffreyweisman.com and get yourself an autograph. Or stay tuned to my Twitter, and I've got another couple to give away. 
Um, Jeffrey. Yes, and uh, I'll share my Instagram and Twitter addresses with you too, so you can share those on your Twitter. Yeah, absolutely will, Jeffrey. Jeffrey, thank you so much for agreeing to talk to me. I've absolutely loved it. You're such an interesting guy. And as a massive Back to the Future fan, I was very nervous <laughs> before this call. Um, so, so thank you so much. Thank you. It's my pleasure, Adam. Nice to be here. And thank you, everyone, for listening. So there you go, Jeffrey Wiseman. What a what a lovely fella. He's been really kind to me. I've, I've been talking to him a lot over the past few months. He's been very kind, very generous with me. Uh, lovely fella. Uh, as mentioned in Peel Rider, Back to the Future 2 and 3, and the big one, Saved by the Pell. <laughs> Brilliant. So all that's left for me is to remind you that if you aren't listening on an app called PodCoin, you should be listening on an app called PodCoin. It is free. You can download it for both Android and Apple. And it is the only podcast app that rewards you for listening to podcasts. I'm on there. Your other favorite podcasts will be on there too. And the more you listen, the more you get rewarded. And the way it works is you get rewarded with points and you can convert those points into gift cards or you can convert it and donate it to charity, which is a, a, an excellent thing, an excellent idea. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed that. I hope you found Jeffrey interesting. And I will speak to you next time. See ya.